Welcome to the PR Resolution Podcast. I'm your host, Stella Bales. In this podcast series, I'll be interviewing experts in emerging areas of PR. We'll be taking those hot topics in public relations, dispelling any myths, breaking down the jargon, so you are completely clued up and ready to speak to your stakeholders by the time you reach the office. If you have any questions around the episode, please feel free to tweet me at Stella Bales. In this episode, I'm exploring media and news site traffic. It's an important topic because it feeds our media relations strategy, where we should aim our stories, and also after activity, when we've landed coverage, when we're trying to understand how many people may have seen that article. It's a challenge because publishers don't reveal their actual traffic data. So it's always been a challenge for us in PR. But then there was also a recent article on The Guardian reporting that the Daily Telegraph in the UK is planning to link some of the journalists' pay and salary to the popularity of their articles. So a pay-per-read model. Interesting. So this led to Andrew Smith, who is a digital communications consultant and trainer, to do some research on this. So I had to get him on the show when I started to read it. Andrew and I look at the research and he shares his findings on how the readers actually arrive at the news sites and where they come from. He looked at the most popular Google searches that people are doing that actually lands people on the sites and the clicks on those news stories. We explore how much of this insight is actually briefed to the journalists and is part of their agenda. We look at the tools that journalists are now using to help with search data in their stories, but also how PR people can be using those tools too. And we explore if a pay-per-view model actually goes ahead, what this really means for the future of credible journalism and news, and then also where our responsibility of public relations practitioners really lies in this too. It's an interesting one. Here's Andrew. Welcome to the PR Resolution Podcast. Today I have got Andrew Smith. Welcome to the show, Andrew. Thank you. Great to be here. (laughs) So today we are going to be talking about publisher traffic, specifically news publisher traffic. There's a couple of reasons why I've got Andrew on to talk about this. We had... Uh, see that I'm sure uh, many of you have seen this too, especially if you're in the UK, that the Guardian reported that the Daily Telegraph are planning to have some kind of element of pay um, associated to journalist articles. So the more popular the article, the more they may get paid. Hasn't been confirmed because it was seen from a uh, an email, I believe. Uh, so that has been sort of the trigger of us wanting to have a chat about that, because as you can imagine, there's all sorts of things that <laughs> come off the back of that kind of news being shared. But also, just before we dive into that specifically, I'm keen to speak to Andrew about generally just looking at what metrics we should be looking at traffic before we go into that specifically, because I know just from speaking to coverage book customers, when they first come to us, they are using different metrics. So sometimes they're looking at unique, sometimes they're looking at visits, sometimes they're looking at different data points. And obviously publishers don't always reveal exactly what traffic they're getting. So it's a big topic, but I know that Andrew has done some research recently, but has also got some really good knowledge of different tools of how to be looking at traffic. So welcome, Andrew. Thank you. Um, I can't wait to talk about this because it's a really important topic for everyone in PR. Um, So first of all, 
what metrics do you look at when you're thinking about publisher traffic? Uh, I guess it's it, it's worth having a, a quick uh, history lesson, really. Um, okay, okay. To, to be entirely selfish about it, to tie it back to my, my own career, I, I started out as, as a journalist back in 1985. And the, the very, very auspicious trade title I worked for was called the Retail News Agent, Tobacconist and Confectioner, which doesn't sound very exciting. But fundamentally, a lot of my job was uh, reporting on circulation figures. You know, all the national newspapers, all magazines uh, had to have their circulation numbers verified by an organization called the ABC or Audit Bureau of Circulation. Fast forward all these years, the ABC is still around. Uh, so in terms of, of getting kind of verified numbers on, on how much traffic does a media site get, well, the ABC, I guess, are, are supposed to be the kind of the official place to go. Uh, they'll tell you that the you know, Daily Mail uh, has, has verified that it got X number of visits to, to its, its site in, in the last uh, uh, three months, six months, or whatever period that, that, that you're looking at. So to answer your original question, you know, raw traffic numbers is almost certainly the most kind of uh, uh, common metric that, that people are, are, are utilizing. Uh, uh, and I've, uh, I've argued for some time that it's almost certainly that you shouldn't rely purely on uh, the raw traffic number to the overall media site overall, which then begs the question, well, what, <laughs> what metrics should we be looking at? Uh, but equally related to that, you know, where do I get these numbers? Where can I obtain them? Well, you might logically argue, why can't I just go to a media site and say, can I get more detailed numbers, please? I'll tell you what the answer will be. We're not telling you. <laughs> um, I, I remember 20 years ago uh, when obviously the web was getting it under steam and um, I, I was asking then, I was asking the media sites then, uh, would you be prepared to reveal? I said, I'll, I'll give you money <laughs> if you would break down those numbers. Uh, and, and no was the answer then and no is the answer today. Uh, usually the reason given is commercial sensitivity. So that's uh, going to be my question. Why? Why do they keep it such a secret? Well, there's a, there's a whole bunch of reasons why they might not quite wish to kind of uh, break down the numbers any, any more uh, clearly. As a PR professional, let's be honest. What what do you want to know? If you've managed to get some coverage on, on any media sites, uh, you're probably curious to know, well, that's great. I got some coverage. But how many people really did you know, visit that page? How many people really did read or see that uh, specific story. That's really uh, that's the real number that that, that PRs have, have always wanted. That's uh, the trick now. Of course, is how how do I get even close to trying to kind of estimate, guesstimate, approximate what those numbers might might, might look like. Mm. For any listeners who uh, do use coverage book, not all do, but for those who don't, we have a, a formula which we we take in a similar web traffic, which I'm sure we'll come on to shortly. Mm -hmm. uh, similar web is an external provider of or a data point of an estimation of traffic. Um, so we then take that number and then based on a few different elements, estimate how many people may have seen that specific piece of coverage for that specific URL. Um, and that is one, it, you're right, it is the uh, one of the big reasons that a lot of people do come, come to us. And we've actually had a few of our customers who have really good relationships with editors. And uh, there was one, uh, one coverage book user who um, works in the golf industry. And 
he had some really good relationships yeah with some editors of some specific golf websites and he could because he ran advertising with them um he works for yeah and he went and checked some of our estimations with them and thankfully <laughs> they did say yeah that's almost spot on um so that was good he came back and told us that but it's it's really difficult he that's quite an unusual situation that he yeah. was told those numbers it's 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 really sort of kept um hidden a lot of the time so going back to um i just mentioned similar web i know that you mm. use similar web data um, indeed why do you like similar web why do I like similar web? Um, <laughs> well, as as you said, for those people not not f- familiar with the tool, uh, it's been around for about seven years now. It's an Israeli tech firm. Essentially, it's a it's a kind of Nielsen research for the web. What similar web have done is they they've built a now very large panel of uh, web users around the world who've agreed to anonymously share their web browsing habits uh, with similar web. Uh, it's a, a representative sample of the, the 4.2 billion web users uh, on the planet. Uh, and from that, it's simply uh, statistical uh, extrapolation to say, well, based on, on the panel's uh, behavior, you know, we estimate that website X in the last three months in the UK got uh, X number of visits, but not just X number of visits. It'll tell you what percentage came from social media, what came from uh, 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 Google search. Uh, there's a whole boatload of, of, of data that, that they're they're able to to, to capture and to uh, and to estimate. The short answer is this: that that, that similar web is probably uh, the closest you'll get outside of of hacking an individual media site's Google Analytics account, uh, getting anywhere near uh, trying to figure out what what some of those uh, uh, kind of more useful uh, and interesting. Met- might uh, might look like we use similar web data in coverage book but there is an element of similar web that you can use for free if you're curious to Absolutely. go and have a look at their metrics definitely recommend having a look around because there is um we i mean when we first started coverage book around six or seven years ago we did there are multiple providers that do a similar job but we believe for our research that it just wasn't as accurate because we were comparing it to real analytics data from websites that we had access to and that's why we just every year continue to stick with with similar web so we do we yeah. do recommend them but we don't we're not being paid by similar web by any means no no commission involved here yeah um, but, uh, <laughs> well if, if, if for what it's worth i mean similar web has has, has raised a, another round of funding which apparently values it at around two billion dollars so you kind of figure well if if uh, <laughs> if investors think these guys are kind of probably no one's saying they're getting it perfectly right. They're not saying they're getting it perfectly right, but it is the power of of, uh, of statistics uh, and, and and large representative samples uh, mm. that, that give you, I guess, a better chance of being closer to the truth than than, than not. As you mentioned, uh, Andrew, you can see where this traffic is going to different sections um, and you can see um, where that traffic has come from as well. And you mentioned that you can see that it's come from search. Now, I know that you recently, once that article had gone out um, from The Guardian about this rumour, should we call it? It hasn't been confirmed by The Telegraph that they are going to start paying their journalists based on the popularity of their articles, but that is what the the, has been seen in some um, employee emails. But we based on that i know that you did some some research and had a look at telegraph traffic and something that caught my eyes that you said that 50 was it around 50% of the traffic has come from search from natural search for clarity if you 
if you look at the numbers that that, that SimilarWeb is, is providing, and, and in a sense, it, it's not just the Telegraph. This this is a, a a pretty kind of you know universal kind of finding for pretty much any website. That if you you look at any media sites kind of overall traffic uh, by by channel, overwhelmingly that the number one volume traffic driver is is Google in the form of, of, of organic search. Unless you're BuzzFeed uh, or Lad Bible, <laughs> then Google is going to be is going to drive the, the the most traffic. Now I guess where it gets interesting of course is then well that that might lead people to assume well, you know, the Telegraph, for example, produces lots and lots of stories. So individual stories are appearing in search and, and, and driving that traffic. And, and the, the picture is actually slightly more sophisticated. Uh, SimilarWeb, and I should, for clarity, say this is in the, the paid version of SimilarWeb. Uh, but it, it, that does reveal, for example, that if you take the Telegraph and you take the, the overall Google search generated traffic, it's not evenly split or rather which pages are appearing in search results that drive that traffic? Uh, and I guess, unsurprisingly, well, the Telegraph's homepage generates 10% of its traffic. Uh, why is that important? Well, the Telegraph's got millions and millions of, of, of index pages, all of which in theory can be visible in Google and all which in theory can drive traffic. Of course, not all of it does. So there's actually a, a relatively small proportion of the, the editorial, if you will, that's even uh, got a chance of, of generating visibility and then in turn generating uh, traffic. So the thing here, for example, well, what do people search for that, that results in the Telegraph uh, homepage mm. appearing at the top of Google? Well, <laughs> no surprises, uh, it's the word Telegraph. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what this tells you is that, that, that people want news and they kind of know in advance, well, I know the kind of place I want to get that news and I, and I know how I can use Google to navigate to it. So what a surprise. One of the top keywords for the Telegraph is Telegraph. For the Guardian, it's The Guardian. <laughs> Rinse and repeat for every media site. So the interesting thing there is that um, it's, it's, the, it's their brand terms. It's their brand terms that people are searching for. That results in the homepage typically coming top of Google. That drives traffic. So the interesting point there is that, that actually a, a media site's homepage has a massive influence, of course, on which individual stories people actually click through to read. So mm -hmm. I guess related to that, and again, SimilarWeb would reveal this to you, um, the, the bounce rates for media sites are really important metric. Uh, because, again, just for clarity, what is a bounce visit? Well, a bounce visit is a single page visit. You, know, you visit the site but you do not visit uh, a second, third or fourth page. You visit to that, that one, that, that landing page, the entry page. You might spend five seconds, you might spend 30 minutes, but then, then you exit. Uh, historically, bounce rates on, on media sites are, are relatively high. Um, well, we, we don't need to get into the, 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 the debate here, but that really has been one of the, I guess, uh, structural issues of the media uh, in, in a digital format. You know, your, mm. your, your print newspaper, when you consider it, you're paying for a bundle of stories. You don't necessarily read well. You probably don't read them all. Nevertheless, you've paid for them and you've got them. Uh, whereas, of course, online, even with a paywall, what typically happens is people turn up, read the story that they're interested in, but then don't visit subsequent pages. So, of course, where do media sites generally make their revenue if they're not operating a paywall? Advertising. So they're absolutely obsessed, of course, with keeping people on their site to generate more impressions, 
to generate more more, more ad revenue. So again, mm. if we're looking at, at metrics, a really interesting one, of course, is, is pages per visit on a media site. So if you just looked at traffic numbers, let's say compare the Guardian with the, the Daily Mail. So in terms of raw traffic numbers, they're pretty similar. You know, it'll bounce around from month to month. The Mail might claim, oh, we're getting more this month. The Guardian might say we're getting more next month. But they're roughly the same. But where the picture gets more interesting, of course, is when you look at the pages per visit, well, you've got to tip your hat. You might not have to tip your hat, but <laughs> uh, you, you, have to, you have to admit that when you look at, at the mail's pages per visit numbers compared to most other media sites, they do a very good job of keeping people on the site. They do a very good they job. Of, they do a very good job of, of actually getting you to read more stories. Um, so should again, we go? Should we move on to the mail? We've got things to say. I've got things to say. <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> everyone does. But. <laughs> yeah. Even listeners in the US will know that the popular area of the mail is the showbiz section, and that does draw a set of celebrity news, tabloid news, it does draw people into clicking on, you know, that right hand panel, does draw people to click onto the next story and the next story. So that pages per visit number, um, I don't I don't have it to hand, but I'm sure it is higher. But I definitely know that their traffic soared when they started to introduce that section because I think definitely people in the UK will know that um it depends on their age as well will know that the Daily Mail didn't always have that start of news they've always been slightly more tabloid but they didn't have that huge showbiz section and it wasn't as popular as it is now I think maybe around 10 years ago 15 years ago it wasn't anything like that <laughs> well, no, I was going to say, it, it, it's, it's an interesting point because I think this has been, been observed for, for, for some time that you've got the mail online versus the print <laughs> version yeah. of Daily Mail. And uh, in, in many ways, they're, they're actually two kind of quite distinct uh, media properties. So it's not mm. just a case of that the, the print content is just slavishly copied uh, o- online, quite the reverse. And of course, from a numbers perspective, it's a very, very different proposition. I mean, obviously, the, the, the print version of mail is only available in, in the UK, and, and it's still, if I'm, if I'm right here, it still has uh, you know, circulation in, in the sort of uh, low low millions. But, but you know, obviously online, in terms of raw uh, uh, visitor numbers, then uh, I think it, monthly unique visitors to the mail is about 24 million. So again, the monthly visits are 158 million, coming from 24 4 million people. Um, but then, of course, where's that traffic come from? Well, actually, dailymail.co.uk gets 40% of its traffic from the UK. It gets nearly 30% from the US. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's .co.uk. Uh, you know, Australia is 5%, Canada 3 So .co.uk, those 24 million visits are coming from all over the world. You know, if, if you're only focused on the UK, it's only 40% of those 24 million unique visitors are, are actually U, uh, UK based. Um, so yes, the, 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 the print version, the online version are actually, in, as I say, many, many ways distinct properties uh, with their own kind of you new know, audience makeup uh, and, and audience uh, demographics. But I, I think to you, you're alluding to is that there's no question, you know, the mail online all those years ago said, well, look, we want audience, we want traffic. So if we basically give, give people what they, they seem to want, they might not want to publicly admit it, but look, let's look at their behavior. <laughs> you know, what actually draws more traffic? And they figured out, well, 
more showbiz related content mm. certainly drives uh, the volume. So we will pursue that that route. And if we can then find ways to keep them on the site, we can then monetize that traffic through through, uh, through advertising. It did definitely, I think it was around 2010, maybe when the Daily Mail did start to, um, sorry, the Mail Online did start to increase their showbiz section. Um, and I, I did correlate with them starting to grow their SEO team, and uh, <laughs> which I, I've heard that they, I don't have any confirmation on that, but I'm pretty sure that I've heard many conversations from the search world that they were looking, they had quite a tight search strategy that was around trending celebrity names, and they would be the stories that would be briefed in uh, which is why maybe we saw quite what we we, as a reader might think quite pointless celebrity news like I don't know Kate Middleton's wearing a red hat because Kate Middleton was the most searched for celebrity name but so I guess on that whether that's still happening it definitely did help back then with people being drawn to their showbiz section and maybe news stories being at the top of uh, celebrity searches but I think thinking about other other news publishers do could we assume that they all have a search strategy with news in mind <laughs> is that an assumption well, that we shouldn't be making um, uh, the the phrase search strategy might be used whether it could really be defined as a strategy well that's 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 open for, for debate but 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 flippancy aside uh, yeah I, I i would find it surprising in 2021 that uh, media sites of, of, of all any any size uh, wouldn't at least be thinking about the the, the impact of of Google on 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 their traffic number. Well, they can't ignore it, as I say, unless you BuzzFeed or Lad Bible. That the, the fact it's incontrovertible that if you're looking at all the different ways in which you can bring people to your website, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, social media is often sort of uh, seen as, as some kind of massive traffic driver, and again, I guess historically, if you go back a few years, then there was this this idea that all Facebook you know, conceivably was going to overtake Google as, as the kind of primary driver of, of traffic to, to, to media sites. But for a whole bunch of reasons we won't go into today, that that has, has kind of receded. So the short answer is yes, uh, media owners, media sites, journalists everywhere are at least thinking, well, what, what do I need to take into account uh, when we're writing stories, you know, creating content that might have a bearing on, on its its visibility in Google and the possibility that it might then send uh, traffic uh, to the site. So, so yes, uh, in, in, in that broad definition, I would argue that uh, uh, you know, media sites definitely pay attention to search. Now, of course, to what extent they, they actually then try and uh, exploit that or what tools do they use? How do they make these, these essentially editorial decisions about what to pursue. Well, I think you know, mileage will vary <laughs> depending uh, where you are. I guess to relate it back to the, the the Telegraph story about essentially tying journalists' pay to the uh, the amount of traffic that, that their stories generate. It's it's interesting because that this notion of, of paid view journalism is is not new. In fact, if you go back probably ten years. It was the likes of you know, Gawker Media in the US that, that were, were clearly uh, using this approach. Um, you know, apocryphal stories of the, of the newsroom. Remember them? <laughs> <laughs> Offices where large groups of people gather together in, in close proximity. We should talk um, about that. It's never happening again. <laughs> um, as much as I won't ever use a um, spray mount to stick down <laughs> coverage, we won't see a news desk again. <laughs> yes. 
Well, I think it was it's Reach Media, wasn't it, who announced recently that they're telling most of their journalists that, yeah. Uh, yeah, not go back to the newsroom. Anyway, uh, so Gorka Media, you know, big screens, and you're literally these kind of real-time characters and journalists, like, feverishly looking at the scoreboard going, oh, I need to get more, how do I get more more, more views to, to my content? The short answer to, to that is that, of course, well, Gorka doesn't exist anymore, not related to, <laughs> to using page, page view journalism, but that that model has been tried before. And it's certainly in the US where it was first tried, it's it's I think pretty much kind of died out. So that that would suggest that it was tried and didn't really work. So it's kind of interesting that apparently, you know, the Telegraph is 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 revisiting this as a model. Now, we mm. should stress, of course, that you know, no one really knows the exact detail of how this is supposed to work. You know, some are arguing it is it is a pretty crude look, the more traffic you get the more you get paid uh i think yeah because the, the telegraph's not not saying anything uh, specifically but it, it's saying oh it's not it's not that it's not that uh, that uh, simplistic it was, was reported that... that it was to do with the subscriptions as well wasn't it like this is well, yes, the scoring but... system but yeah that's so... a point to make about and i actually had a question around that with paywalls yes. and traffic landing on pages whether it makes any difference as well, to I... whether you then hit against the paywall and then don't sign up Indeed. So I, I did. I I I did uh, read somewhere. Uh, there was a, a Telegraph exec was interviewed. I think on the on the BBC's media show, and and did reveal a little bit about that 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 kind of connection between stories that that seem to result ultimately result in uh, people signing up for a subscription. It it sounded like a, a kind of um, a paywall rage click metric. <laughs> <laughs> People kind of getting and going, ah, <laughs> I want to read that story. I have to pay. All right, I'll pay. Um, uh, but um, yeah, so that, but then we, 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 we could get into the whole area of, of, of last click attribution versus, you know, how, how do you it, know that? Yeah. So it is very interesting, I think, when we're, we're thinking about the types of stories and especially hmm. when we're comparing the likes of the Telegraph to the mail and the popularity of mail's uh, stories in the showbiz section yep. to, in comparison to am I prepared to pay to read more detail so I've seen the headline of the story on the telegraph it's made me click I want to get there now I don't I think I can talk on behalf of a lot of people that I'd want to you'd only want to pay if you needed the detail whereas there isn't any further detail on most of the showbiz stories on the the mail you can pretty much get the the, the gist of the story from the headline you didn't you wouldn't need well, I, to go and click and see well unless you were desperate to see the images i suppose but, but i guess yeah this 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 kind of comes to the, the heart of the matter that, that of course all all media sites presumably are, are seeking to, to to grow their audience or, or or i guess i guess more accurately they want to carry on making money so <laughs> how do you how do you you know what are you what are you getting your your money in return for well Quite simply, you 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 generate money through through advertising revenue by by essentially selling an audience to the advertiser. That's really what a media site is is uh, is attempting uh, to do. Uh, and I guess this has been pointed out by by others. If you if you if you take the Telegraph apparent proposal, then it suggests that that well, does that mean journalists are going to simply sort of chase after? the keywords that are more likely to drive more uh, volume. Well, if you took that to its logical conclusion, again, looking at similar web numbers for the UK from, from uh, uh, December through through February 2021, you know, that they can give you the detail on you know, news and media sites and not just what, what drove traffic to, to news and media sites generally in the UK, 
but what were the keywords that people search for that resulted in traffic being sent to to, to media sites generally? Uh, and the short answer is <laughs> the top keywords the last quarter were Trump and weather. <laughs> now, <laughs> does, does that mean that all journalists are now trying somehow crowbar in uh, an angle around the weather and Donald Trump? Is that UK you know, searches? UK, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why I said, well, interestingly, that searches for the term weather uh, had gone up by uh, nearly 25% quarter on quarter. So we're, we're rediscovering our interest clearly uh, in, in the weather. Now, of course, I'm, I'm exaggerating for effect. I mean, the, the simple fact is that, yeah, people do search for the term weather uh, and they do go to media sites to, to get the, the latest uh, uh, weather-related uh, news and update. But uh, I, I don't think you're going to uh, build a career as a Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist uh, <laughs> writing about Donald Trump and the weather <laughs> exclusively. But the, 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 the serious point is that, but so if you're telling people you need to generate more traffic, well, telling them that they, they need to kind of you know focus on the things that that people are searching for more often well it, it raises all manner of questions you know if i'm a sports journalist even if i wanted to chase after trump and the weather as keyword terms it'd be pretty difficult for me to kind of somehow legitimately kind of craft a story around around that um mm-hmm. and again if it just turns out to be chasing after raw numbers well what is the audience that you're supposed to be kind of delivering to your your, your advertisers? Uh, assuming, of course, that your your primary uh, mechanism for for generating revenue is is advertising. Hence, of course, with the Telegraph and the Times, for example, going the paywall route. Uh, you know, how do I pers- how do you persuade somebody to agree to hand over money to you uh, on a on a on a regular basis in return? Uh, for full access to uh, to editorial content, so mm. it raises all manner of, of uh, I guess, uh, you know, fundamental philosophical and just oh, it does. Pra- practical reality for 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 for, for media uh, uh, generally. Is it should I be chasing uh, an extra two million visitors to the site, but actually they're 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 not uh, an audience that advertisers particularly want to reach versus. I could just incrementally grow the audience by a much smaller amount, but if they're uh, perceived by by advertisers as as uh, a, a more valuable audience, then then that's that's the 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 way uh, to take it forward. But mm. again, I think just structurally, uh, media websites fundamental challenge is how how do we somehow persuade people to not just to turn up, read one story, and then go away again. Yeah. Because that's what there's, we do. <laughs> yeah, we do. There's two elements that I just want to explore from, first of all, from a PR perspective, and then uh, and then after mm. that, I'm keen to think about the public and the effect that this can have on our world. <laughs> just to, just to tell off of a small, a small <laughs> Keep it light. Point. Keep it <laughs> yeah, light. Let's do that. Let's just throw that in at the end. I do it with Sarah Waddington a couple of episodes ago as well. This podcast is brought to you by Coverage Book, the reporting tool that's made by PR people for PR people. Head to coveragebook.com for your free trial. We've seen journalists are using search data um, in their stories more. I've noticed this more and more. It's great. It definitely does add to the story sometimes using uh, public behaviour. So what people may see searching for as a lead for their stories. We've seen that more and more. And I actually noticed that there's... um, some uh, Google have provided a, a suite of tools and some training that's specifically for journalists as well, which is interesting. 
so they are they're, they're definitely uh, more aware of using that kind of data so from a PR perspective, do you think that PR people should be using this to be thinking about search terms or what's popular in search to with their with their angles or with their sellings? Think it's uh, going to well, help them land stories. <laughs> I, I think my position on this is 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 well documented. Um, I mean, I, <laughs> I've I've been perhaps boring on about it for, for for longer than most in the PR industry about about the 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 interplay, the relationship between search engine optimization uh, and uh, uh, public relations i mean I've, I've i've long advocated for example that that online media coverage uh, can and and almost certainly should play uh, a big role in, in in seo if 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 for nothing else google has has said from from the very beginning that media sites it generally regards as as authoritative and uh, and, and trustworthy so if you, you have a media site that runs a story and it contains a link back uh, to a page in the site. That is seen as, as a massive uh, vote of confidence. Now, we can get into the whole follow versus no follow uh, uh, debate there. But again, it was interesting to me that, that 18 months ago, Google uh, announced that they're going to treat the, the no follow attribute as a, as a hint, not a directive. So in other words... Again, if you look at the, the the media world, the general trend for media sites over the last, I guess, five six years has been to to have a so called uh, a universal editorial no follow link policy. So this idea that, hey, the Daily Mail's written about us positively, hurrah! And they've also included a link to our site. My goodness, that that that's surely, that's surely going to have this unbelievable impact on uh, the visibility of, of our own our own content, and of course. The short answer is no, because uh, the, the mail, like most media sites, universally applies the no-follow attribute to, to links in editorial content. Interestingly, the two sites that have never taken that approach are the BBC and The Guardian, uh, who've always adopted a followed link approach to, to editorial. But if Google now says, well, the Daily Mail may, may well be saying that's a no-follow link, and so in, in, in the past, we would have accepted that as a directive to say, OK, we won't count that for SEO purposes. But now they're saying, well, we might not. We might treat it as a we hear what you're saying. But in this occasion, we are going to choose to regard the fact that you're linking to that that page, that that site as uh, something that will we'll, we'll count now. There's, there's lots of debate about this. People are saying, no, that's not what they're saying. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, uh, again, uh, the, uh, Google Elsewhere, John Muller, I think, uh, recently kind of said that, yes, if if a media site kind of you know, even just mentions you, that's 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 something we might we might take uh, in, in, into account. So uh, mm-hmm. anyway, the, the short answer to that original question is, of course, for the last 15 years, PRs should have been paying more attention to, to, to SEO. And I think, to be fair, clearly PR professionals, PR practitioners are, are uh, I think, paying more attention to it. I guess the moot point is, are they, are they focused on, on, the, on the right things? Are they utilising the tools and the data in the right way to help them to, to kind of you know, formulate kind of campaigns, strategies, et cetera, that, that are more likely to work, more likely mm-hmm. to deliver the ultimate end results that they're they're seeking, um, and I mm. think that's still where there's all to play for, uh, uh, and, and still room for improvement. 
It's uh, there's a lot more for people who um, are listening to what Andrew's talking about now with uh, with the kind of the power of links that you might be able to achieve or within your coverage on new sites. There is lots more learning there if, you, if you're just starting your journey. So uh, do have a look at training that Andrew uh, does offer um and also uh, yeah there's lots there's so much I mean there's yeah. a, there's books there's blog posts have a check out the resolution yeah. there's lots more there in terms of as uh, so we've, we've seen journalists have used sort of spikes in or popularity of what people are searching for in uh, in news stories do you think that that's an area that um pr people should be selling in now i've actually seen that i've seen some people who are starting to use that as as their lead for their stories is that is that what we could be seeing in the future just lots of new stories based on what people are searching for well, of course it's it's it i think the short answer is yes um and if <laughs> Yeah, think about the, the the free availability of 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 the data and the insight to to, to be able to do these kinds of things. You know, you know, Google Trends, which I know is a tool that's uh, often uh, mentioned and referred to. Um, so, with, with Google Trends, uh, when you look at the, the the time frame over which you can you can look at at, uh, at search trend data, well, you can go back as far as two thousand four, or literally the last hour. You know, you can sit there and, and you can literally see, oh, why was there a spike 10 minutes ago in Cardiff for for, for that particular search term? You know, if I'm if I'm writing for the Wells, you know, Wells Online, or if I'm if I'm working for a regional news outlet and I can and I can see that there's been a kind of a, a, a massive spike of of interest around X in the last hour, I might be motivated to kind of think, well, is that something we could tap into uh, exploits uh, etc the good news of course is that if journalists have got access to it so have pr people <laughs> yeah um, that that's to, to go back to what you were saying earlier about about google and and the the vast array of tools that they have created and provided for, for journalists or i guess more accurately they've simply suggested to journalists look these are tools that are available to anybody however for you specifically there are certain tools and certain techniques and certain ways of using these tools that as a journalist, you can get great value from it. And again, I've long suggested, well, if journalists can get value from it, surely PR people equally can get value from many of these tools as well. Google Trends just Yeah, we should direct example. people. Yeah, like uh, so Andrew just said, Google Trends, if you're not using that already, listeners, go and check it out. But also go and have a look to see what the journalists are using. You can do that. So well, I mean, just, uh, it's the news initiative, isn't it? News initiative. Newsinitiative.withgoogle.com forward slash training. That is all available to journalists. So, you well, know, I, I find talk it their language. Absolutely. But I, I find it instructive, yeah, that the, the Google News initiative uh provides a whole raft of, of training materials that are freely available to to, to anybody and I, I mean i've you know shared you know, various kind of you know pdf uh, uh training documents from from the google news initiative on say my, my linkedin feed and, and they always get you know thousands of views go, wow this is amazing yeah this is thank you for sharing I'm like well it's not me <laughs> it's uh it's there it's just sitting there almost in, in plain sight just go and go and have a look and 10 minutes with that and, and suddenly you know google are giving 
you know, you, you know, tips and, and, and hints about how you can use the, the, these tools in, in a whole variety of ways, which I think are supremely helpful to, to key aspects of, of the PR process. Absolutely. Yeah. We've seen, I think there was just last week, a journalist shared um, a screen grab of their inbox. I can't remember which journalist it was now, but it was shared it was, a lot among... Um, it was Harry Cole, Harry, Harry yeah. Cole at The Sun. Yeah, the political editor yeah. of The Sun. And it was... I mean, we, we 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 know from when journalists tell us how many pitches they get, but yeah, it was quite unbelievable. But you know, we're all lots of PR people trying to fight for getting the attention of a journalist's eye just in the subject heading. Well, if you're using the tools that they are using um, with the training through Google uh, search data, and that's in your heading, that you're going to have a much better chance of grabbing their attention and being able to get your story seen. So definitely do that. Just before we wrap up. <laughs> I already, just, already. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> I'm really keen to just have a look at this because it's something that I've always, well, not just me, but I'm sure many people are interested in. As we move forward with how popular an article is and and if, if, if the Telegraph does uh, decide to go ahead with paying their journalists based on the popularity of their articles and tying it into whether subscriptions are taken in, obviously this is all driven by revenue and profitability of a media site so we've seen how the mail online has has grown um in a ridiculous rate in the last 10 years uh, in traffic but also being the most profitable media site um it was i'm sure they probably still are i need to double check that but again it's all down to the how clickable those stories are and um, and then that does make a difference to the editorial strategy so where so bearing all of that in mind and thinking about credible journalism versus <laughs> clickable news stories where does that take us into the future you know where does the where does the ethics lie in in having credible journalism you know because we i know that through this podcast we're encouraging pr people to look at what's popular add that to your pitch and send that to a journalist but then is it the journalist's responsibility to make sure that there is credible journalism or is it the editors where let's, how do we look after our world and still have decent credible news you know going out to people well i don't think that's a question <laughs> come on andrew give us the answer save oh, the world I like, I like, yeah. uh, no but but i guess in in, in all seriousness there's, there's there's a whole kind of you know bunch of things that that need to be take take taken into account yeah i i i we we need to have a kind of you know diverse media i mean the, the idea that the the only sites that will, will exist are the ones that Basically, produce uh, the ones that, that that generate kind of clicks. Full stop. Um, I, I don't think is a world that, that would be particularly <laughs> a nice one to, to live in. But but obviously, the, the, the practical reality of you know, how how do uh, media owners and media sites kind of generally sustain that kind of diversity, that 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 mix of of uh, of, of editorial. Um, I guess from from the PR perspective, uh, I've long argued this is that that we we, we kind of need to just have take a, a, a more kind of realistic view of of well, well how many people really do see an individual story, and I think the, the honest answer is that it's it's nice to be able to quote those big numbers. Oh look, we got a story on media site X, and it gets you know fifty million visits a month. We'll quote that big number because it looks impressive. Versus well. 
the reality is, of course, that, that a much smaller number of people actually read the story uh, and the assumption that, well, that's less impressive. You know, I don't, I don't really want to quote that small number. No, quite the reverse. That, that's the real number. That's the one we should, we should work with. Because again, you're, if, if we can talk endlessly about PR should be focused on, on outcomes. Well, you're deluding yourself if you're quoting 50 million when the reality is only 40,000 people read the story. You know, you're not going to get 10 million outcomes <laughs> based on, 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 on 40 million. Uh, but that doesn't necessarily lessen the, the value of, of what has actually been, been achieved and created. But we, we, we need to, to, to use the data to help shape and inform things that are, that are more likely to work. I mean, to go back to your reference to the Harry Cole kind of screenshot of his, of his inbox, I mean, uh, the, the, there was so much that, that that revealed in one single screenshot that, that told you an awful lot about the state of the, the, the PR industry in Britain today. I mean, you're just looking at, at the, the, the subject lines and going, did somebody seriously believe that the political editor of the, the Sun would ever pay any attention to something that, that has that as a subject line? And I think the honest answer is almost certainly not. that the, the PR exec that wrote that almost certainly knew in their heart of hearts, I'm being paid to do it. <laughs> you know, and then, then uh, there's, I mean, he had what? 300 in, in, in just one sitting he had 300 one topic, one yeah. topic 300 in, in, in there and, and of course the fact is at best probably one of them one of them might actually result in him in, in writing something so mm. uh, i think there's a yeah i think what you're saying is uh it's a really good point it's to always stay true to what the true true objective is and to have honest conversations with your client about what they're trying to achieve because if we are mm. as PR people are only um, well just trying to go after a big number. Then we're not helping anyone. We're not. We're no. not really. Uh, we might. We may be able to get one here, but we're probably not going to get any kinds of uh, in, true engagement with the right target audience. Um, they're probably not going to click through and then make an action afterwards, and that's not really going to do much for the client. Um, but if we we can just sort of be true with our clients and say, right, what is it we really achieve? We really need to achieve. It doesn't matter whether there wasn't a huge amount of traffic that went to that site. Like you say, if it's only it's not, yeah, it's five hundred, uh, well, but four, five went and bought the product or went and made an action, then that's good. You know, that's a good well. Thing. I think this is going to neatly ties uh, a lot of the things we've talked about in this podcast. You know, namely that that it's one thing to 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 focus on certain metrics such as raw traffic volume but almost always uh, relying on those kinds of metrics alone are not actually going to do anybody any good. Uh, it, mm. <laughs> it doesn't do the client any good to, 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 to basically try and impress them with a big number if it doesn't actually bear any relation to the reality of the audience, the audience's behaviour, their propensity to end up doing the things you would like them to do, whatever that might be, whether it's mm. you know buying a product or service, or you know if you're working you know in in the NHS, you're you're probably, probably trying to re reduce unnecessary visits to A and E, for example, as a, as a as an outcome. You know, communicators everywhere uh, are, are focused on on or hopefully are focused on on specific audiences in relation to specific uh, outcomes, which is easy to say. Everyone can say that, <laughs> you know, doing it, of course, is, is, is the hard bit. But I've, I've said for a long time that it can be, I'm not going to say it's easy, but it can be easier if you're, you're utilising you know, the data and the tools to give you a more 
accurate understanding of, of what really does work <laughs> or really does go on. You can't guarantee it every time, but you can certainly increase your, your probability of success. And in many cases, substantially. And surely that's, isn't that what clients, <laughs> if you will, <laughs> uh, whether, whether that's uh, if you're an agency, uh, your, your, your external client or internal practitioner, uh, your own organization, they're looking to the PR practitioner for, for their expertise in, in what's more likely to, to support and deliver the results that we want. That's surely yeah. the aspiration for everyone everywhere. I think that's absolutely brilliant advice to, to, to tie up what has been a brilliant conversation. Thank you. Oh, thank um, you. We've, we've, uh, no, it's, it's been great. I, I knew I would enjoy this conversation. It's great. <laughs> well, it's, uh, it's, so it's, it's, it's a relief that you did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really, really good. Great advice there at the end, Andrew, just to not be so focused on those big numbers and to truly see what that article is delivering. Um, will not only, you're right, help the client, help the PR, but should try and put the brakes on this sort of media world hurtling towards only a high traffic and clickbait uh, scenario that um, it's not going to be good for anyone. We have mentioned quite a few um, different articles and tools, which I know some of you will really want to use. So I'll include those in the show notes. But yeah, definitely do follow Andrew Smith, also known as Eshman, um, for different training and, um, and check out the Resolution blog as well, because he will be writing a blog post for us soon on this too as well so keep your eyes out for that but Andrew thank you so much for your time it's been absolutely brilliant thank you take care this is the PR Resolution podcast keep in touch by following me on Twitter at Stella Bales for more reading on PR head to blog.coveragebook.com don't forget to tune in to the next episode and make sure you subscribe to the series on iTunes now see you then